Hello, everyone, and welcome to the to-do list. So today we're going to be talking about, I guess, cultural shock. Though to me, these things aren't necessarily like, oh my gosh, there's still a little bit of a cultural shock where you end up in the country and you see something that doesn't necessarily happen where you are from. It's sometimes even in your own country and you're like, whoa. So that's what this episode is about, us traveling around the world and having those wonderful moments of whoa. So with that, here we go. Hi, this is Noah. Hey, it's Kimberly, and this is The, the To-Do to List. So this week, we were reflecting a little bit on our past travel experiences, and we were thinking, because we haven't been able to travel much lately, a la COVID. Oh, I said the C word. Oh, no. I feel like I should be slapped with a wet noodle. Anyway, because of the C word, the five letter C word or the 11 letter C word. So anyway, we haven't been able to travel much because of that. So we've been reflecting on our previous travel experiences. And one of the things that has struck us about our travels is how different uh, other countries are and how the cultures are and what struck us is interesting. I call this our culture shock episode, like what were our biggest culture shocks. But after discussing with Camberley, we feel like it's almost more like a culture whoa like instead of being shocked it's it's not a shock because i mean for me it's not like whoa you know i'm not like standing there like shocked you'd be like whoa mm -mm. Uh, she she gave me the growl because i referenced a song from america's next top model uh, and i don't think she wants to give it any airtime at all but there was a song called i'd be like whoa tyra don't come at me no no no. i don't want anyone so yeah since lockdown we've watched a lot of brainless tv but hey keeps you happy shots fired it's more it's more like a little bit, it's not like shock. We're not like, oh my God. It's culture horror, woe. But it's culture woe. Culture woe. Culture woe. And I know what happens here too. You know, I, I've heard people say when they come to the U.S., and you would know, especially Noah, is that when people come into restaurants, oh, yeah. they're like shocked by how large the sizes are oh, in portion America. Sizes, portion yes. size of American Versus... Food. Uh, well, you would know this, Camberley. Yeah. When you went to Great Britain, I thought one of the things you commented oh, on man, was I was, so, I was so hungry. They were because small? the portions are really small, and mm. then it's almost like an appetizer-like portion, mm. maybe a little bit bigger. And so I was so hungry. Do you feel work. like the British have gotten bigger? I don't No pun know. intended. I haven't. Been there, in a while. been there in a while to know i mean i don't think so i think it's just like a european thing versus a u.s thing where you get a lot of food mm. you get a lot of bang for your buck unless you're going to a really high-end restaurant ah, i feel like in iceland the portion sizes didn't seem that small even in france they didn't seem that small yeah i'm gonna disagree you think <laughs> they're all small compared to american yeah. well uh, yeah. It depends where you go. We've been it does, we've been to some fine dining restaurants where you've gotten your food and you've been like you've been like whoa you've been like I yeah, paid oh, how much for this. Wait, and with what? fine dining in the U.S., it tends to be more what the rest of the world <laughs> probably sees as normal portions. So it's things like that. It's not like your mind is blown and then you like sit in a corner for an hour trying to get over the shock of what you just saw. It's more of just like what the hell. Oh, I so, think it's more like you just be like whoa. It's just a whoa <laughs> moment. So that is more of what we're looking at today. And and I will say that I tend to be a little bit more whoa than Noah sometimes. I think sometimes Noah's just a little bit more accepting or goes meh and shrugs and walks off while I'm like, whoa. And I'll talk about it a couple hours later. It uh, sticks with me. Well, there's one on my list that did stick with me for a long time. Um, I've referenced, I'd be like, well, so many times. Was her name Lisa D'Amato? Was that her name? I don't want I think she's going to come after me, but we're not being funded by her. My point is, I sometimes am bigger than whoa. Some, there's one on my list that I, I sat there and, yes, to this day, I still talk about it. 
Yeah. It shocked me that much. Wow. So, I'm curious what this is. Yeah, that one. That one. I don't know. I lumped, so Camberland approaches different ways. I lumped mine to like three regions or countries or areas, yeah. whereas Camberley was more... Well, she just had more. I walls. just was scattered and looking at just something would pop up, and I go, "Oh, okay, Iceland, you got me there." So, so. how did Iceland get you? We're going to start with okay, Iceland. Let's yeah, go. How did Iceland get you? Start let's with Iceland. Let's start so Iceland. There. I'm going to start. With it's you. a beautiful st- place. Okay, to start. first off, beautiful country. So, yes, you you are lucky. Beautiful, lovely country. My goodness, but. One of the things that kind of threw me off was Iceland took me back to how I perceived the 1960s and 70s were with the hippie generation. Um, I can't speak of that. Oh, but of, is it because what I think it is? It is for what you think oh, yes. it is. Yes. As soon as you said hippies, I thought of a word that starts with an H and ends with an R. No, it's, it's more of like the, okay, so there's like this oh. hippie culture. And it was big in the U.S. in the 60s and 70s, and they would drive around in vans and love, well, usually vans, and pick up people on the way. Lots of hitchhikers. Yeah. It's that's, hitchhiker that's right. yeah. culture. And then when the 80s rolled around, from you know my understanding, people were getting kidnapped and bad things were happening. Culture was falling apart. And so the hitchhiking culture died in the decade of the 80s, from my understanding, because the kidnappings were up. So um, not good. So hitchhiking is kind of dead in the U.S. It does happen, but every once in a while you hear about how somebody disappeared. Don't hitchhike, kids. Have you ever hitchhiked? Hell no. Have you ever done it? Oh, I guess this is my funny story. Should I go? I'll go there. Funny story. So I guess my funny story is there was a gentleman who, when I was younger, he was like a principal at a parochial school of my parents and my family, and we all belonged to a church, and he was the principal. But... I didn't go to the parochial school. I went to the public school. And I was walking home from school one day and he tried to pick me up and he offered me a ride and I said, oh, no thanks. My parents don't want me to ride with strangers. So I basically turned down a guy. I knew his face, but I didn't know his name off the top of my head. And I was probably like seven at the time. And so he, of course, called my parents and told them. So to this day, I still catch flack for this because I'm, I don't, quote unquote, ride with strangers. So for me, hitchhiking, no. But ironically enough, it used to be back in the day, you're not supposed to get in a car with somebody you don't know. Now you call somebody or have an app to pick you up when you go to the like right Uber well, a stranger or that you don't know, which is kind of weird. It's but, weird. Yeah, no, I don't hitchhike. I remember a couple of times my car broke down because I didn't have a lot of money, so I had a poopy car when I you know first started driving, and it broke down a couple of times in this one stretch of highway. Always that stretch of highway because it was up. You had to go uphill, mm-hmm. and so did you have stick or automatic? Uh, it was. It was. It was stick at that time manual and so because they so, were cheaper to buy you were going oh pill with stick because that's hard so, oh no it's not once you're in gear you're good so not it's just the engine was poopy and it i blew a head gasket there you go and so this happened a couple times and these like guys would offer to get me to a telephone booth or whatever you know because the time was like oh you know i i couldn't afford to sell who could afford to sell so it's like oh, i'll get you to a store i'll get you your house i'm like i don't know you and the one guy felt made me feel badly because he kind of lectured me and was like you know, what a sad world we live in where, you know, I can't help somebody out. And, and I get where he's coming from because he could have been the nicest guy, but he could be a killer, too. And then there was another one who had junk all over his car and, like, a hammer in the front seat. I was like, oh, hell no. Okay. That one. So I need a clarification on this story because I got a little confused. I hope my story about the parochial principle was clearer. Yeah. A, you yeah. said they would offer you a ride. Yes. Would as opposed to did offer you a ride. So this happened they multiple did. times. This happened twice that I remember. It's the same guy. Oh, I did get in a car once with somebody, though. Yeah, I did. Because it happened a third time. (laughs) And then it was a couple who picked me up. Okay. Oh, okay. I had really poopy cars. So the one with the hammer, I think you said. Yeah, him. That was the second time? I was like, oh, hell no. Yeah. 
He was creepy. But the first time it's these guys, and they it was you one said, guy. He was really nice, and he wanted to help me. And he said he's thing. the one who lectured you. Yeah. But your car broke down at least three times on this stretch. More than that elsewhere. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> We're totally getting away from the top. The point is hitchhiking. Hitchhiking. So sorry, we went on a tangent there. But I enjoyed the tangent. Actually. But um, so. It was just strange because in Iceland, hitchhiking is alive and well. Oh, gosh, yes. You drive everywhere in Iceland unless you're staying in Reykjavik or taking day trips. I don't like day trips. I don't like tour groups. If you do, that's great. It's just not my thing. So we rent cars and go, and you're in more control. But when you're driving around Iceland, people are hitchhiking everywhere, and they look at you with their thumb up like, hey, uh, yeah, let us in. I was like, oh, hell no. That was, I like hit, you know, that's when you hit the accelerator. Well, that was one of the things about Iceland that struck me. This wasn't on my list, but when I think of Iceland, I do remember the hitchhikers, but I also remember the, I call them pediddles. You probably call them Popeyes. I do call them Popeyes. Yes. Yeah. Is that on your list? Did I steal one? No, because that's in the U.S. But that did strike you Mm -hmm. about basically one of the things about driving the the circle of Iceland. We were struck by, oh, there's a lot of hitchhikers. There's a lot of pediddles or Popeyes. Yeah, Popeyes all over the place. There was also a big escalation, but that's back in our Iceland episode. That's not a cultural thing. But... But yeah, but the thing that struck me the most was how many hitchhikers, especially in big cities, with there there aren't a lot of big cities in Iceland, but in cities, there'd be people near the signs entering it, like standing there, waving people down, like, yeah, let me in. I'm like, oh, hell no. Do you Keep think driving. that it has to do, now you say it was a culture shock. Do you think it has to do with Icelandic culture or the Icelandic landscape and that you have a lot of people who are like hoping to backpack it across Iceland I like there are tourists I think it's a combination tourists. of both well no I don't I think actually if you live in Iceland you wouldn't do that because you have a car you just you almost have to unless you live in Reykjavik you can't get anywhere so I guess maybe it just draws in that type of people who are backpackers and campers and so they're like hey let's bring hitchhiking culture and there it's a very low crime rate in Iceland but I'm still not going to do it because these people aren't from Iceland. So I don't know what the hell they're up to. Well, you could get picked up on the side of the road by an Icelandic person. Yeah, and I know it happens in other countries, like you know, like uh, New Zealand and stuff. But the, I, I guess I, I just, I'm not about that. Because I was raised in the U.S., you don't get in a stranger's car. <laughs> well, is this a Ted Bundy moment? Is that where you were going to no, go No, it's that? just in general. It's just you do not get into people's cars. I, I was see. told that over and over again. I, I guess I'd have to research this, but I don't know of any Icelandic serial killers. So, I mean, if I'm going to hitchhike, there's something to look up on your to do list. So, Uh, yeah. No, no. There you go. So, yes, that is one that came to mind for me. Okay. So, I I guess I'm going to go with my one that I've been teasing Camberley with a little bit just because I feel I need to. I I was struck by Spain. And I'm just saying the country, and then I'm going to expand on that a little bit. Yeah. There were two things that struck me. And culture shock, we could talk about good or bad. And that's why I kind of pushed for this episode to be a little bit about culture shock because I'm not saying these culture shocks were yay I'm excited about them um one of the things that struck me about Spain and it to this day this is the one I talk about Hmm. when you go out to eat we as Americans are used to checking with the host and being brought to a table oh and so you remember that don't you in Spain we were waiting expecting a host because we're Americans uh no, no host coming. And somebody was behind us, and they just walked right in and sat themselves at the dirty table. And I'm like, yo, we're waiting on a table here. I didn't say it, but I'm thinking, how I know, rude. we were getting angry. <laughs> we were getting a little bit annoyed, because, you know, uh, was it one per group or more than one group It was passes? one. We'd been sitting there for, like, for a couple a minutes. Yeah. yeah. And they sat themselves at a the dirty table, and 
and finally we spoke with someone and my Spanish is probably the the language that I speak best other than English yeah. and eventually it was explained to us that oh that's what you do you seat yourself at a dirty table in Spain because that's how you know it's an open quote unquote open table as opposed to a closed section so that's how you know that table has a waiter or a yeah. service and that's just very different than how we do in the United States in that we want our table cleaned before we sit on it. We don't want to sit down and have them clean it on top of us while we're actually sitting at the table. So that, yeah. to this day, uh, because I deal, I, I've worked in the restaurant industry and I've dealt with people and some some of my colleagues, some of the waiters or managers or hosts will be like, they just walk in and sit them, seat themselves. And they're like, why are they doing that? And I'm like, well, where are they from? Like, I don't know about Portugal. I don't know about France, but I know about Spain. If they're from Spain, they might, it, it might yeah, be Yeah, it was odd. I just remember getting a little bit upset waiting, and then those people sat, and we're like, what are you doing? And then we finally got I don't know that we verbalized that. We did. Right? We did. In our heads. I, in our heads, we did. And then yes. I turned to you, and I was like, what is happening? Yeah, so that, yeah. That, that, also the other thing about Spain that struck me, this is the one I don't necessarily talk about to this day, the one about seating yourself at dirty tables that I would talk about yeah. to this day. And still, I'm not going to say it blows my mind, but it's just... Just a ve- I'm shaking my head right now. It's just a very different way than what we do. It's not it's like bad or wrong. I mean, unless you're concerned about germs or hygiene. Oh, Some I think are- I know what that is. Yep. What? No, I wasn't going anywhere. I was thinking literally. If oh. I'm sitting here and I seat myself at a dirty table. Oh, in terms I was of thinking of something else that's on my list. Sorry, that has to do with Spain, and I thought you were going there. Oh no, the other place I'm going to Spain is honestly the siesta or the after the hours oh, they yeah. talk. It it. I knew it was coming, so it wasn't necessarily a shock per se. You know about it in theory. (laughs) uh, Yes, you do know about it in theory, but But. (laughs) once you actually experience it, it's not that I hate siestas or hate the idea of taking a couple hours off in the afternoon to take a nap, take a long lunch, do whatever, but was frustrating as a tourist who is not like in that culture and immersed in that culture is that everything shuts down, like literally everything is shut down. Yeah. Except I, for a bodega. I even think the restaurants were <laughs> shut down, if I remember right. They are. They? It was pretty much like... So you got to um, take a lunch at home, basically. Uh, oh, yeah, we went to a bodega. It was after the flight. Get, like, got like chips a candy bar. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> and maybe it's where we were, what we were seeking out. But the bottom line is, a siesta in theory, yeah, it sounds like a sweet little idea. But honestly, it just link, it made it inconvenient for us as tourists. And I would think in my work day, <laughs> we're working... I mean, from my understanding, they work till like seven or eight, right? They work later, and then they eat dinner later. Because of that, for me, I'd rather just go home. Yeah, exactly. But and that's, I don't, that's as an American. That's my culture. It is as an American. I just want to get my work done as quickly as possible and get the hell out of but there. But their business day is still starting about the same time yeah. as ours. So therefore, even though their day is ending later work day, and then hence their dinner day, and yeah. then maybe after dinner drinks day, it's, their entire day is shifted later because of that siesta. But they still got to be up at the same time we do. I, I, it just... It wasn't a shock because I knew it was coming, but it was just, it, it was a, a big difference in cultures that I was like, whoa, this is just a lot. It was a lot. A lot for me to get accustomed to if I were living there. Well, I bef- before I jump on my next one, I'm going to jump onto your uh, Spain, Spain train little a little train, bit yeah, because that was something that came onto my radar <laughs> when I was hygiene? making this list a little bit. Really? Is that when you go into restaurants, um, we're, they're very strict here in the U.S. with grading oh, yeah. and things, and, and, and I appreciate it, though I've still gotten damn food poisoning, but they're strict. More than once. Oh, yeah. But they're really strict with like laws here and things, and hopefully people follow them, and they don't always, the sickness. But in Spain, do you remember how they would take the animal's leg 
they would like cook the whole leg and then put it on a hook. Yes, I do. And then when you ordered the food, they would take a knife and cut it. You're talking basically about the hamon de ibibigora. The hamon, yeah. Basically, the por- it was basically ham hanging, and, and you're talking about the flies, aren't you? Oh my gosh, yeah, because yeah. they leave the doors open. So the, they don't have air conditioning in a lot of parts of um, Europe. They just, that's not what they're about. And we're about that in the U.S. So that's going to be a culture <laughs> shock to people who go to Europe in the summer. Guess what? No air conditioning. So they don't have air conditioning. So they leave the doors and windows open, which is great in theory, but you have this ham hock hanging on the wall. And so I'm going to order some food. I was getting some paella, I think. And I look at the wall and there's a poor animal's leg. And for somebody who doesn't eat a lot of meat, it was a little bit, you know, like, ooh, um, no, me gusta. But then you order some jamón and then they cut that stuff right off the damn leg. Okay. Well, you're not a big eater. Can we say that? You, you, She's very, Kimberly is very specific about what happens with her meat consumption and such. I guess I would say, neither one of us, I would say, frequent a butcher shop. No, I don't eat a lot of meat. Right. So that being said, my curiosity is, what happens in American butcher shops? Like, you know, I'm just curious. From my understanding, they're in like a glass case underneath or like... Like you pick, or maybe in a freezer, or you know, it's it, it just. I think you were jarred a by either the plethora yeah. or b the visual that it's like on display. So either there's more butcher shops, and, or b it's because they're right in your face. It's like they're advertising their meat in their windows. Like you don't know what's yeah, in that store. Yeah, yeah. I think I that's know. what jarred it's you. It's just no, and there's an animal leg hanging off the wall, and people are ordering it and they're cutting it to go, and it's just hanging there. I, I don't know. That's just me. It was a little bit of cultural shock. Apparently, it works for a lot of people. Not judging it. It was just a little bit of a cultural shock. I don't know that the meat is what jarred you as much as the fly. No, you were it bothered. Was, no, you were bothered literally by the Spanish fly. No, it, <laughs> no, it wasn't that. It really was the leg, the animal leg, sitting there, and then just somebody taking a knife and cutting off of it. It really just it just okay. disturbed me. Well, but, then maybe the Spanish fly bothered me because I was bothered by the cleanliness thing because I don't feel that flies hanging on meat in the United States would go over so well. I think we we there'd be repercussions. Yeah, there'd be, there'd be issues. There'd yeah. be concerns. Yeah, there would be. That that would be that stuff would be shut down quickly. So now I'm gonna like I actually have two from this country and I'm curious if this is on your list. Um mm-hmm. but this next one is actually from Turkey. Mm-hmm. Now this is going to be a t- cultural shock because of course um you know Turkey is a Muslim country and in a lot of ways people view it as kind of Muslim light because um it's not necessarily it's a little bit more liberal Muslim than other countries in, mm-hmm. in parts, especially Istanbul. Oh yes, it um, is compared to I've talked to a number of people who are Muslim and they'll tell me how liberal they consider the Turkish people to be yeah, them. So, yeah, oh yes. they are. They're a little bit more liberal than, say, other countries that are a little bit more strict Muslim countries. Um, and, and that's fine. But as somebody who was not raised in the culture and who is, um, you know, American, I wasn't raised really religiously, but, you know, it was kind of, what I was raised with was a little bit more freewheeling. <laughs> so when you go there as a female, it's going to be a little bit of a cultural shock, but we're going to do an episode on that and I could talk about it more then. But there were two things that jumped out on me. And one of them was we did a wonderful trip to the beautiful area of Cappadocia. Mm-hmm. But when you fly in a small airline, not through Istanbul, to get to a smaller area of Turkey, I had to become a male. Oh. I had to become a male. Yeah, that did not, I'm sorry, that did not make my list. It yeah. shocked me a little bit, but it did not make my list. But I do remember this experience, yes. So what ended up she- happening <laughs> was that basically Noah and I 
were traveling together and and that may be seen as a little bit strange when you have friends that are traveling that are of opposite sex and not married and not married right and so what ended up happening was for us to be able to i guess technically legally or morally sit by each other i had to become mr on my passport or my uh Ticket, boarding on pass. Her plane ticket. And um, that's how we got to sit together. And what happens is if you sit near somebody who is another single female or they can't sit next to their husband or parent, then Noah and I had to switch seats because he couldn't sit next to this other woman because she, her, she wasn't sitting by her husband. So I had to sit in between, even though our seats were different, because there's this requirement that sexes can't sit next to each other in certain ways, which unless, is fine. Ba- yeah, unless they're married. Basically, as I, I understood the law or the rule, is yeah. that only a married woman can sit next to her husband. Or like a father or son or something like that that's in her immediate family. They yes. can do that. But it, it was just interesting because, like I said, we ended up having to switch seats because there was a woman next to me who was separated from her husband. And so she could sit next to me. And I have no problem with that. You know, I, I'm, I'm on down with that. But it was just interesting to become Mr. And I remember once we left Cappadocia and we're coming back to Istanbul, when you go through security, there's two different lanes, one for males and one for females. Mm-hmm. And so they would do a, a body check on both of us. But I had to go through the female line, of course, mm-hmm. with the Mr. <laughs> you know, Camberley pass, uh, boarding pass. But they understood what was happening. Obviously, yes. they deal with this a lot. And so then they pat you up and down, even though you go through these detectors. And so I couldn't get back to Noah until we'd both gone through security and met up again. And it was just, it's a little bit of a cultural shock. Not because it's it's a bad thing. It's just, it's just different than what we do here in the U.S. It was just very much focused on sexes a lot more than it would be in the U.S. where it's just like, hey, get on the plane. And people are just being jerks trying to get seats and be, you know, pull shenanigans with that crap. But it was just interesting. That and they clapped. Every single flight in Turkey, oh, everybody clapped. clapped whenever it landed. I was like, oh, okay. that's, that's not a cultural shock, though. We've I, That's happened in the it United States. It was big States. in Turkey, though. It's big. Oh, they clapped every flight. <laughs> and on, well, well. And truth be told, I, I sometimes have been a clapper. I'm inconsistent here, but I've done it. You've given me the look. Sometimes I've clapped when it landed. Because you're the only one. Look, I, I'm happy to be on a plane that actually lands. A band of one. I mean, I guess start it. But and I guess part of the reason why that didn't strike... I mean, I I remember it happening, but I feel like some of the places we've been has been different because of the fact that I am not a female. So therefore, maybe it's... I remember it, but it's not so jarring for me because I'm not the one experiencing it firsthand. Like, I do remember there are some incidences now that we're talking about it that I feel there was a um, distinct gender bias against the lady folk. Yeah, but we'll talk about that when we do an episode on Turkey. And not to rip on it, it's their culture. Not even just Turkey. Oh, in Japan, too. Yeah, 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 there were a number of times that I felt like as a female, Camberley was treated differently. And so I, yeah. I, I think she feels it more intensely than I do because even though I'm there and aware of it, and I was aware of yeah. it, I still didn't, it wasn't directed, quote, at me. So. No, and that's something that, yeah, we, maybe we should do an episode on that just, you know, because it is kind of interesting because as a female, I was very much aware coming from a country where, you know, I'm allowed to be loud and free and do whatever in my to a degree, behavior. Yes. I'm not saying that they're not free in those countries, but I'm saying that you, you can act like a fool in the U.S., uh-huh. you know, and, and it's just some cultures are a little bit more strict yeah. with, you know, their roles and their gender roles. So that was interesting. But what's interesting is you brought up Japan and this actually has to do with Turkey too. Did you, oh, did you finish your Turkey? I did. Yourself? No, no, no. It's still with Turkey. So okay. this was Turkey and Japan. Yes. It's interesting you brought them back up together was that in both countries, I experienced traditional bathrooms 
And mm. as a female, what is a traditional Was this on your list originally? Or yes, you, it oh, was. Oh, okay. So what is a traditional oh, bathroom, yeah. ladies? <laughs> this works for men, unless you're doing uh, the number two. I didn't experience um, this at all, so go ahead. So what it is, is you go into a bathroom, and it is labeled female, and you enter it, and there is a hole in the ground like a urinal. Now, as a female, I had been warned about this, but I heard that they weren't common. Um, this was not the case. In Japan, it was less common, but um, it, it was... Uh, I wouldn't Turkey. call that a urinal. <laughs> well, no, it's not a urinal, but it looks like it in the ground. It's just a hole. Yeah. yeah. It's just no, a- no, some of them look like urinals in the ground, so they give really? you a little bit more room to, to do what you need to do. Kimberly is much more adept at the bathroom usage because I tend to go less often than she does. So yeah. she knows. She knows about that. Yeah, bathrooms. so this was this this happened in Japan when we were at a park and I was like I went in the male's restroom and so then I looked around at the door and I went, Oh my gosh, it's one of those toilets. And basically what it was was back in the day women would wear dresses and so what you would do long dresses, or skirts, you would straddle it and do your deed and then um you know wipe away and you're done well that does not happen here in the u.s and so i was really surprised by this i'd heard about it did think i'd see it sure enough there it was and i was like i can't use this you have to squat and i was wearing jeans and 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 i'm like okay this isn't gonna work it also happened in turkey and i remember going in and all the stalls had them and i was like and I looked around, and one of the women was like, are you okay? You know, and she, she could speak some English. She was Turkish. And I was just like, oh, to the bathroom. She figured it out. And then she goes, Western, Western, to her friend. And they went, oh, West, and they were talking about Western toilets. And there was only one out of, like, eight. <laughs> so they went, that one. And they pointed, and I went, thank you. I said, thank you in Turkish. I forget how to say that. And I was thanking them so much. And they were really nice. But they were like, oh, and you can hear them saying American. American, everybody's like, oh, Okay. <laughs> But it was a shock because I didn't know how to use it. And it was just interesting in Japan because they have the most advanced toilets in the world. It's like, yeah, it's the like, days. It's oh my like gosh. the space shuttle. There's so many buttons, man. You know, and, and then she, Kimberly, she, no, I'm not saying she has sticky fingers when she gets drunk, but let's just say in Japan, she actually considered stealing the bidet. From no, the Japanese I, no if I ever get a house, I would have one installed. They are amazing. Direct from Japan with all the buttons. Oh, yeah. It's like the space shuttle in there. I'm like, woo, it sings you songs, the toilet warm. Song? Yeah, you can hit a button and it would like yeah. music. Of all the countries you've been to, I can honestly say I do believe Camberley spent more time in our Japanese bathroom than any other. No, Korea is the same. They have the same. Amazing. You were the, uh, I feel like Japan was your first no, experience. No, Korea, with this. I feel because like there was a lot of kimchi, but that's gross. And oh, that's the, yeah, yeah. But so, yeah, let me tell you, it was great. But then to have such a, a amazing toilet with all these buttons to to the old school one it was just kind of the the amazingness that is japan it's kind of like traditional nara versus on steroids tokyo of technology I, I <laughs> that's, see, that's and i'm hung were. up on these these non-western bathrooms for lady folk yeah. i i believe in you i believe you could have used no it. i didn't want to because i i had a bad experience when i was a kid at my grandparents oh, house because oh. they lived on a farm and okay. they used to do logging and so we'd have to help with logging and so i would have to do that outside because we couldn't get back to the house we were too many miles away because they owned tons so you of basically mean an outhouse no there was no outhouse you went behind a tree and there you go and so i had a couple bad experiences so because of that i i, I can't do that so it's a psychological thing. You physically could have done I, no, it. No, I don't want to get into it because I don't want to freak okay. out the, the listeners. But the women's, point, is, um, point is the bathrooms are different in yes. both Turkey and Japan. Yes. Uh, so the uh, yeah. 
but you were talking about turkey. You said there were two sub points on turkey, but I kind of brought up the bathroom issue by talking. No, that was it. That oh, was that was it. it. Those yeah. are two. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. No. So my second one, and this one, uh, it, it it's kind of uh, interesting to me because this was my first international experience, and I. Kimberly's brought it up before, and I brought it up before. I lived in Norway for a while, and the reason why I bring up Norway is there, there was, there were a number of things I did in Norway that we're not used to in the United States. And I feel like when I was thinking of what was impactful for me as a traveler, Spain sticks out to me because that was one of the first countries I went to internationally. Norway was the first country I went to internationally, so I feel like. The more you travel, the more you get used to, uh, I'm going to say curveballs being thrown at you, the more you get accepting of, oh, that's just how they do it. It's different. And you're, I guess when Kimberly says, oh, I have fewer things that make me go, whoa, mm-hmm. it's kind of because after you travel enough, you get used to the curveballs and it's less shocking or jarring. That being said, Norway, for me, I feel jarred me the most probably because I was the youngest I was traveling and also it was my first experience in a foreign country and it was in Europe. And I was living there for a prolonged amount of time. So I had to get used to things. Um, some of them were cultural. Some of them was just living in a bigger city. I wasn't used to using mass transit. I was used to getting in a car and driving. And yes, they drive cars in Norway. But I was taking mass transit on a regular basis. Uh, I ate whale. That wasn't necessarily jarring. It's just something we don't eat. Uh, it had this caviar in a tube. That's just something I'm not used to. But the, the custom that for me in Norway that kind of... Um, I liked. I liked it. was interesting to me and kind of was a different way to do it. Is I do remember every night, and I don't know that this is a culture thing as much as it's a familial choice, but the family I was staying with, they would light, uh, you call these candles, they're tall. Tapers. 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 Mm -hmm. They would light tapers every night at dinner. Mm. So it was almost like, and we had gone back in uh, a number of years ago, Kimberly and I went with my parents because I wanted my host parents in Norway to meet my real parents. And one of the things my host sister or my host parents had talked about they liked were tapers and i knew they used them on a regular basis um they were very specific about whether because because norway in general or at least my host sister was very specific about the environmental impact of what candles they use and such and they've always talked about environmental impact um when i was living in norway and many of the conversation we've had was about how what we do affects the environment that being said they did light tapers every night at dinner and i kind of liked that custom I, I'm not sure if it's a familiar thing or a, a custom in Norway, but I've noticed a number of people did it, so I don't know if it's just their circle of friends or what. But they would light can- tapers every night as though dinner was an event. Like, mm. every day was something to celebrate and something to relish and something to to make it a point to cherish. So I, I enjoyed that cultural aspect. Did it shock me? I'm not going to say it was like, whoa, but it's something I do sit back and go like, Oh, that's cool. Well, yeah, and, that is kind well, of cool. cool. It, it's it makes dinner an event, and it was a family event, and it's something. I'm not saying we didn't do in the United States or haven't done in the United States. I do think that in the past they did make dinner as a family an event, but the lighting the tapers I thought took it to another level. If that makes sense. Yeah. No. That's kind of. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. That is actually kind of interesting. So, you know, now there's two little brief things, and one of them I'm not going to stick too much on because we kind of talked about it at at the beginning Mm -hmm. with the sizing of food. Of course, that's always shocking to people in the U.S. Mm -hmm. when you realize how small the portions are. It's just one that came to mind was, remember that picture in South Korea? When we were in Seoul, we went to Dunkin' Donuts because there wasn't a lot of coffee options around us. Are you bringing up the broccoli donut? No, I'm not bringing up the broccoli donut. There was a broccoli donut. And... (laughs) 
I order a coffee. I'm used to Dunkin' Donuts in the U.S. And I'm like, it was right across the street from us. It's right there. So I go across the street and I'm like, can I get a large iced coffee? I love iced coffee. They're like, yeah, you know, coffee ale. Okay, so. I don't know what that means. What's that mean? It means it's coffee. Okay. <laughs> no, coffee ale. Coffee ale. Yale. Coffee Yale. Yeah, coffee okay. Yale. So it just says it is coffee. <laughs> clearly, I, I don't speak, speak some Korean, and so, I clearly don't. So I was like, okay, and, and most of them spoke English, and so I remember ordering the small coffee, and I said, I want a large, please, and it was smaller than my hand. I actually have a picture. It was smaller than my hand, so it's just interesting because in Asia, when you order a large coffee, it's not like the U.S. where it's like a big gulp. In Asia specifically, it tends to be these tiny little portions, and I was just shocked by it. The other thing that really shocked me, before I get to my bigger one, was, you know how in the U.S., and maybe people have heard this, they say that we're very patriotic, and there's tons of flags oh, everywhere in the U.S. I know like, this one. You guys have flags everywhere, everywhere. I found a country yes. in the world that has more flags per capita than the U.S. will ever have. Because the whole time we were walking around, I kept making comments did about you, it. Did you research per capita? No, Are you I sure made that this? up. Okay, I was going to say. That was Cambly Wikipedia. But they, they, oh, that's an actual thing? That'd <laughs> it be is a, in my head. That'd be an interesting website. Would, you could not use it because it would be so flawed. There'd be no scientific proof behind it. Yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a good citation in <laughs> any debate, let me tell you. Ever. So, let me tell you, I kept turning to you the whole time because Denmark, yeah. I want to point out, lovely Denmark, you have more flags than we have in the U.S. In that everywhere you go, I remember we'd go to a park and there'd be like 20 flags lining outside against the wall. I'm like... People who make a comment, and every time people make a comment about there being too many flags in the U.S., which there's nothing wrong with waving your flag as long as you're doing it nicely and not, you know, let's, let's be nice about this. Denmark has you beat. I was shocked by how many flags there were in Denmark. Do you remember that? I, oh, I remember. I was, I was every last I was place. literally trying not to spoil it for the listener and interrupt <laughs> you because I do. Oh, I remember being in the car. I was driving, and she says, "Look, another Danish flag, another Danish flag." Like she's like, "I don't want to hear anything about them saying Americans." And well, and I'm, I'm not upset about it. I'm glad you have pride. I'm glad you love your country. You do it, Denmark. You go, Denmark. Yes, I, love your beautiful country. I, I do. Thought you what you were gonna say right now was if anybody ever says there's too many American flags. I'm going to tell them, you go to Denmark. You know what? When you want to see a flag, you go to Denmark. Yes. That's what I thought you were going to Very say. Very proud about it. But for me. Yes. This is, this is the big one? This is, this is big the one? big one. Do you oh, have the big biggest one? one? Do you have yours? I have a big one, yes. Oh, you go next. <laughs> we'll bring it home to the U.S. I, I heard that one out of context. I'm like, I have a big one, yes. Uh, oh, wow. Anyway. We're learning a lot about us we're, this we're episode. Mine, so I went first Spain, second Norway. This yeah. one is, ready? Ready? I'm ready. ready? I'm ready. The world. Oh, wow. I know, I know. Well, the wow. reason why is because I've experienced this in Arizona. They all speak different languages? No, it's <laughs> because I experienced this phenomena in Arizona. I've experienced this phenomena in Korea. Mm -hmm. I experienced this phenomena, oh, I think we did in Turkey as well. Mm -hmm. I know we did in Argentina. Mm -hmm. And I know my sister has experienced on a cruise and my brother has experienced on a cruise. Yeah. It's... People want to meet people. Like, we, I, I'm not trying to say oh. we're jerks, but when we're traveling, like, do you remember? He went by the name Ocean, but that wasn't his real name. No. Ocean. He And we met him in Korea. We did yep. meet Ocean in yes. Korea. So we met a guy, he went, his, what he introduced himself to us as was Ocean. And we were on a tour 
uh, uh, it was uh, Fortress, I want to say. Yeah, it was Suwon Fortress. No, it wasn't in Suwon, but I know what you're talking about. Yes, it was we, one of the palaces. We were on a tour of one of the palaces in Korea, and it was in English. The tour was in English, otherwise we wouldn't have been understanding a word. Well, uh, I would, but... Well, yeah, uh, fine. <laughs> I would have not. I would not have understood a word. So while we were on the tour, he... he you know, in tour groups, I'm not trying to make friends or whatever, but he was lagging behind. He, he, you know, I'm not saying talk with us, but he did talk with us here yeah. and there. But to me, it's just being polite. In Arizona, we were hiking, and this couple started talking with us and hiking for a while. They left a note on our car. Um, Same thing happened in Scotland. There was the English couple who, when we went to Man of Store, was yeah. walking around. We met up with them. They told us their life story about walking around in the Man of Store several times. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 they were an older yeah. couple, and, and, yeah. and it's not to me. It's not about being civil. The being civil and being polite and being nice to people—that's not what jars me. It's the being friends. These people left a phone number on our car. Yeah, Ocean wanted to be my Facebook friend. Yes, he did. It, it just uh, to me and my sister. I bring up my sister and my brother because I know they've met other couples through cruises that want to like be friends with them and i'm not saying i'm antisocial, but it's kind of like i'll be polite with you i'll I'll chill i'll I'll shoot the breeze with you but i'm not looking for new friends i'm sorry i'm not trying to be a jerk but to me well friends you well i feel like you say you do but i I feel like you're a very private person i can be but i do like new friends especially international friends i guess you can learn a lot then how come you didn't then how come you didn't want to be ocean's facebook friend no he asked to be yours i know so that also confused me because i think generally kamberly is a nicer person it's not even that i think part of it may be a cultural thing where it's Uh, as a a female he mm, wouldn't do that to me because it could be seen at a, a certain, certain way. way. Because yes. he was from a, a Asian country. I he was. Which one. So, yes. yes. And so, to me, it's just a little bit shocking when people are looking... When I travel, I'm either looking for alone time or looking to spend time with who I'm with. I'll meet new people and be nice to people, but I don't know that I'm looking for that connection to extend beyond the trip or ex- extend... Like, my parents have told me about times they've been traveling and they've run into the same people at multiple sites in the same city during their stay there and they talk with them like they're, they're great friends and stuff and I'm to me I'm not look I just say the world because I can't limit it to one country. It's just I very will say, different. No, I will say that the Spanish-speaking countries tend to really go for it, though. Like, specifically Spain and Argentina. I brought up... And I did, people like to talk. I mean, they speak Spanish, of course, and most of the time, and then you speak Spanish well, and I speak Spanish well enough. And let me tell you, been, I've been with Noah and certain places. One was in Norway. One was in Denmark. These people will talk your ear off for 45 minutes. But it, and it's, <laughs> I'm fine with it. But it's My issue isn't the talking per se. And it's not even an issue. It's more of they're looking for connections that extend beyond. Yeah. In Argentina, and one I'll bring up is she, the, the woman yeah. who worked at the leather shop yeah. who helped you get, as I call it, her Michael Jackson coat. Because yeah, Kimberly yeah, yeah. got a coat that's reminiscent of something the great MJ wore once. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying. Yeah. And so she got that coat. She talked with us during it. She gave us her business card. She wrote me an email for a Christmas that year. She wrote yeah, me. A, she, did. she she stayed in touch with us. But I remember the one from Norway though. Graciela. Her name is Graciela. Graciela. Yeah, the one Sorry. from Norway actually gave you their phone number. Said if you're ever in that part of Spain to drop by. Yes. <laughs> yes, we like, were we were yeah. at the um, Oslo like town hall yep, the, downtown the, yep, on the coast, yep. and we were in a certain room. I was in a certain room with my dad, and this yep. guy started talking Spanish to me, and then uh, you know. Uh, you know, I spoke with him. But yeah, I. It, yeah. Sorry. So I'm not. It's just different than I am. Because, and I guess that's why it's not 
it's kind of like a woe thing just because maybe I'm antisocial in a way, but people people would probably say I'm not antisocial because I'll talk your yeah, ear off. You will. But I guess when I'm looking at the long-term connections, I guess I'm more um, selective with who I keep in my life long-term. And I'm not saying any of these people I've met in Graciela or any or Ocean or anybody I've met in any country mm-hmm. is a bad person or that I don't connect with them. It's just different than what I'm used to personally. Is it weird to you or am I wrong? No. It's, I think it's just normal for people to want to connect, especially with people who may be from a different culture. It's interesting. It's fascinating. I think that's one of the reasons why people travel, is to get to understand different cultures. And I think it's wonderful. Um, I'm know, not saying it's bad. It's just, so it's me. And I'm quick. <laughs> it's fine. It's, it's, and the, the, Helmut the, Schmidt would be upset. <laughs> Hel- oh, Helmut Schmidt, that is just a reference to a guy we were on a train in Norway. and, and Yeah, we're meeting all kinds of people. He's he, from Germany. He, God he, bless him. He, we... We're aware of people, but I cannot say I kept in touch with Helmut Schmidt. <laughs> no, he, Helmut Schmidt was I, I hope a he's, lovely man. I hope he's still with us. I, I yeah, he was he was an elderly gentleman, he, and so. I hope he is still well. Right now, he can't travel, but I hope he's doing well. And bless that man. So, so yes, we're world, bringing it back home. We're bringing it back home to the U.S. because some of you are all like, "What the heck." There's plenty strange here in the U.S. Oh, we may do an episode on that. And this is going to go into another episode of ours coming up. But this is wow. something that blew my mind. And I live in this country. And it was something that struck me a couple years ago. And it is something called dry zones. Uh. Dry zones. So for people who are not from here or are not educated here in the U.S. like I was not, a dry zone is basically an area. They're usually dry counties. Or dry counties where you are not allowed to bring liquor. Now, sometimes this can be like on Sunday where they're like, you can't buy liquor on Sunday. And then people will go somewhere else and cross it over into their county. Well, this happened while we were in Arkansas. And we have an episode coming up about that. But... We're driving through Arkansas, and all of a sudden, there's a four-way stop. I'm like, why is there a four-way stop? I'm thinking, uh-oh, there's a criminal on the loose. State pen, oh my gosh. There's a truck in front of us. This truck jackknifes to the right, nowhere to be seen. Goes speeding off. I'm like, oh no, what's going on? They pull me over, because I'm driving, and I'm like, what's up, officer? And he goes, you know, good you know, afternoon, ma'am, blah, 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 blah. We need to check your car. I'm like, is something wrong? And he goes, well, this is a dry county. We want to make sure you're not carrying any liquor. This was a shock to me. I'm like, officer, it's a rental car, but please feel free to check. I'd pop the hood. I don't care. I didn't have any liquor there, but I would be later on that night back in Little Rock, which is not a dry county. And I did, but... The way this story went down, you're, you're, you're making it much more calm. She saw these, she saw this roadblock coming up. She thought it was something serious. She thought somebody made a jailbreak. She thought it was something serious. And then I said, it's probably a checkpoint for a dry county or smuggled goods or something. And she's like, what? What's that? That's stupid. And then she was going to, she told me, oh, well, if he asked me, they all say, yeah, I have some on me and I had a great time in Memphis. I'm like, oh no. And, and so here we got Kimberly in Arkansas, this was planning on mouthing off to a My police. My bravado. Uh, you don't mess around with Southern Well, police. but you talked a big game, but you didn't. So I'll, I'll give you that. Because I'm like... Never. If I'm remembering it correctly, you didn't get lippy with him, did no, you? No, I did not. I yeah. called him Sir Officer. Let me tell you. 
You don't want to mess with Southern small town police. You just don't want to do it. So, yeah. So, it was interesting because I was like, is this for real? I didn't think it was for real. I didn't realize there were real dry counties. I thought it was some outdated thing. There are dry that states. Went the way of um, were those General Lee guys, whatever the heck they the are. Dukes the Dukes of Hazard. I thought it went the way of those dudes. <laughs> Apparently not. They still exist, guys. And... It does happen. There are some dry counties that are all the time, and there's some that only do it on Sunday. It is the weirdest. And it's not just the South. Well, they have another place. So there are three states, and I brought this up as a fun fact. There are three states that are technically wholly dry by default, meaning Kansas, Mississippi, and Tennessee. What that means is by default is the law for the state says you can't have liquor sales unless an individual county makes a law to provide for that. Yeah. It is from my understanding. Yeah. We did research on dry counties. There are dry counties in New York State. Truth be told, in my time living in New York City, I do remember when we had a blue, we call them blue laws, for the Sunday. Yeah. You could not sell liquor before noon on the Sunday. No, there's still that, places like that. There, there are. In yeah. New York City, when you say, oh, there, it's not just the South. No, it's not just no, the South. No, it's not. It's like that in there, places like Oregon where the all liquor stores, but you can get it in the store. You can go to, like, get wine coolers. You can't get anything hardcore. You can get, like, wine coolers, which nobody wants. No, no, no. That city in Oregon is more of a... It's not a matter of whether it's hard liquor, beer, or wine coolers or any of that. It's no liquor ever. And that city exists. I No, I'm I looked sure it up. I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are. But for the most part, I know that a lot of places will just do the Sunday thing. Where it's like, you know, no, Sunday you can't drink. I mean, you can get, like, wine coolers. You know, but th- that's it. You can't get anything that anyone really wants. There's some places no liquor, none, not a zip, never. Well, that's not the kind of world I want to live in. And I don't I think, just it's... think it's strange because I, I mean, I'm not going to research it now, but I wonder. If, well, there are places in the world where you can't drink liquor because of religious things, but it's just strange because I didn't even know this really existed. I always knew about the Sunday laws, you know, <sighs> in, in in states that I was raised in, where it's like it's Sunday, hey, we don't drink. It's like I got a whole cabinet here. Actually, I didn't. I was a kid back then, but you know, the reality is, it was just. I thought I didn't know it was that widespread and so when I see these cops basically stopping people to check their cars for liquor it was just strange Who's, who puts up a blockade to stop people from liquor runs it the, was just crazy the Arkansas popo no That's I get that but question. I felt like I was a teenager again I just wanted to drink and I wasn't supposed to although like, I'm you pretty, know whatever I'm pretty sure that wasn't the Arkansas kids don't drink if there's any young ones well, here don't do it until you're 21 and older I don't want them to think that, you know, I, 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 I partake in that or think that it's a good idea. You don't think it's a good idea to drink for your 21? I'm just no. saying. I'm just uh-huh. saying, you know. But you'll, <laughs> you'll decide if you're going to drink once you turn 21. You're implying you're under 21. Whatever. Um, back to oh. Arkansas. I can't say it was Arkansas State Police. I think it was County Police, first of all. Second of all, when you said a world with no liquor, that's not a world I want to live in. <laughs> it's a world. You don't live in that world. I, you, yeah, you got come that on, right. Let's, let's be you got real. that right. Boy, that's not a world so you live in. Th- that's why it was such a big culture shock. So they can even happen in your own backyard. What's funny is, essentially did. you had been yeah. researching, or you, we were talking about, oh, like, not California Dreaming, but like looking at things and going, mm-hmm. hey, wouldn't it be cool to live here? Wouldn't it be cool to live here? We were talking about places to live at one yeah. point. What would you do? Because I don't know that you research every place you live before you go there. Wouldn't yeah. it be funny if you moved to a place, bought a house, and then you woke up one day and figured out it was a dry county? That wouldn't happen. I would have researched that first. That, that, <laughs> there you go. That's not happening. So basically what I've learned in this episode, besides culture shocks, is the first thing you research when looking to buy a home is what the liquor laws are. Besides the fact that, I mean, I probably wouldn't live in those areas to begin with. You don't so, know that. You know, well, let me California, tell you. New York, there's places I know there are, but I'm just, I really highly doubt that. So no, I won't. We'll never have to deal with that. It was just a culture shock, along with all the other beautiful things 
on our lips. It was a shock or a whoa? It was, they're all wool. The liquor, I think, no. I think the liquor was a shock. That's okay. I, think. I too visited that night in <laughs> Little Rock to make up for that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. So, on that note, I guess the point of this episode, besides to share our experiences traveling with people, was to be, to encourage others to go outside your comfort zones yes. and look for those things that make the world an interesting place and a little bit different. There you go. Fair. With that. Live your life as an exclamation, not an explanation. 